Wright joining me tonight. Miss Emily Wolf, so happy to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. All things considered, I'm doing pretty solid. Um, but things could get crazy. They, they, these crazy things seem to pop up and then they kind of go back to but yeah. entering phase. God only knows coming up here. So totally. But I know you just got done recording the album. I definitely want to hear about that, but let's go a little before that. And usually I ask like, you know, what did you, what were you doing March and how did your March and April get rocked up and blah, blah, blah. But now it's been so long. It's been like almost 10 months now. It has been 10 months. So yeah. I guess kind of condense this crazy, almost full year you've had. And, you know, what did you have planned for the summer? And then how did you adapt through the summer? And then it's been fall already. Just kind of give us a little bit of a synopsis of what you've been up to through this whole thing. Yeah. Um, so last year I was supposed to be on the road for pretty much all summer and then everything got canceled um, because of COVID. And I, I just started writing. Um, I had I had like four songs ready to record. And then um, they, they were like demos uh, that I had created with the producer who did my upcoming record his name's michael schumann uh he plays bass in queens of the stone age which is one of my favorite bands so i'm stoked about that but we um started passing demos back and forth and i made these these four demos with him and um my team started pitching them to labels and stuff and throughout let's see throughout april march may um pretty much spring those demos were just being pitched to labels and stuff um and during <clears> that time <throat> i was just kind of writing trying to finish a record on the off chance that i did get a deal signed um so months and months went by and i was just writing and then i i did get a deal um congratulations so, hey thanks because been quite the fight <laughs> to get on. Um, music industry is total bullshit, but um, you it's know, a tough mother. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So um, basically, I just kind of occupied my time writing this record. Um, did a lot of cooking. You know, I didn't get into the bread baking like everybody did, but I did. I cook with a lot of butter now, and that's a lot of fun. I don't know. That's just like what I started doing is cooking dinner and stuff, um, which I hadn't before, really. But uh, so, yeah, just writing and cooking. <laughs> that's solid. That's yeah. a good way to spend downtime, writing and cooking. So who did you end up signing with? Or are you not going to say until, you know, some announcements come down the line? Oh, yeah, I can say um, there is a new label. It's an indie label called Crow's Feet. And um, there's a guy named Michael Kaplan who started it. Um, he's been in A&R for a really long time and um, done a lot of stuff uh, like signing. He, he signed like the Allman Brothers back in the day and mm. um, just a lot of people like Genuine. If you're a fan of Pony, um, mm. <laughs> Genuine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's and he's. Um, <clears throat> He's super like 
excited to um, put out music that's different, I guess. And it's not just, you know, he's not just signing what's what whatever TikTok person is gonna be famous yeah. tomorrow or something, you know. So, right. um, yeah, he's great. He's great, and the label's cool, and it's small and. Cool. And, and to kind of crack that nut a little bit more, because you did mention you had something you said about it's been a long something rather, and we all know that story, but is, is, is getting signed something that you've really kind of wanted to have transpire over the years? Or is it something that's like, oh, this is the time or let's try this again, see what's out there? Because obviously in this day and age, you know, I mean, you have people representing you, you have tons of talent you have opportunities you have friends in, in good places you know what what did you find is is going to be the benefit for you um doing it with a label yeah so that's a good question um there was a long long time that i didn't want to be on a label um because <laughs> you know there's always like the horror stories of oh if you get signed they're going to tell you who to be how to walk how to dress, what to sound like and stuff. And those are absolutely true. But um, I think, I think signing with an independent kind of new label is, is completely different in that regard, because um, they appreciate that I, I don't want to be told any of that stuff. I want to make those mm -hmm. decisions on my own. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, for the longest time, I, I was like so anti-label, and then, and then I realized like, oh, I want to get to the next level. I, mm -hmm. you know, I basically all I want to do is play arenas every night when that comes back. Um, eventually, like that's like the ultimate goal is to play mm -hmm. huge crowds every night for the rest of my life. And so, I think at this point. Um, I just like, I needed that funding to get there. And mm -hmm. um, I've never had a marketing budget before. So mm -hmm. that is kind of funny to me. It's like, you know, seeing a number of a marketing budget is very exciting because it's like, oh, I don't have to, you know, work at rock and roll rentals every single day, <laughs> which I do, and save up money to put this in front of people. You know, it's like there's yeah. some help there finally. Um, so that's the appeal for me. I think in just like partnering with a, with people who have my, my best interests in, in mind and mm -hmm. they're not going to try and, you know, change artistically what I want to do or, um, you know, steal anything from me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the label thing is a really tricky deal. Um, I honestly think I kind of got lucky in that regard. I, I, there are so many labels who have heard my stuff and who have said no, like brutally said no to me. Um, so it's been quite the fight, but I think, I think things are looking up, you know? Um, That's cool. And it sounds like, you know, like if you get a good label situation, like you sound like you have, and hopefully it, as time goes on, it, it does continue to be that for you. It's really just like having another teammate, 
Right. Just another teammate who's got your back, who's going to put you in some more awesome situations, look out for you. So um, that's great. I'm happy for you. I hope it, I hope it does work out to all positives and you don't have to deal with any of the negatives. Um, and I definitely want to dive into, um, because that's such a relevant thing in the music industry and with what the music industry is at this moment, I really want to get into that. But before we do that, let's uh, let's go back a little bit because I want to get to my favorite part of this, um, the podcast, which is learning more about kind of your your root structure as a as a person, but also as a musician. So I'm I'm always interested in what was your you know what how was music hitting you as a child? How was music hitting you as a teenager? When did you start playing your instrument? And you know if there's any instances you remember about like oh when I heard this or I had to do this when I heard that or I saw that. So kind of tell us, I'm not actually sure um, I even know where you're from, Emily. I might be Houston. Is that right? Um, so I actually am from, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, but I moved quite a bit when I was younger because um, of my dad's job. He managed a grocery store. He managed HCB for a long time. Um, like he was like the regional manager of like, several different stores so that would take us to different places so I did live in Corpus Christi for a bit when I was younger but then moved to Austin around age eight um, oh, okay so wow I didn't even know that so you've been here since you were eight yeah yeah cool cool and so yeah tell us about you know how music took over your life <laughs> and and, and kind of when you started playing when you started singing because you're such a good singer such a good player Tell us how that all started and developed. <clears throat> I'm so glad you think so. That means a lot to me. Um, especially no, from just listen. You, uh, what's that? I said, especially coming from you, because I love your stuff. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Yeah, no, I, I, I love to watch you perform. That's for sure. But I, I was just revisiting you, obviously, before I wanted to go back and listen to a bunch of stuff. And man, your voice is real. I mean, the guitar playing goes without saying, uh, you know, you're just a, a special guitar player, but the voice is just, it stands out too very well. And and I hadn't heard, I went, I went to Spotify and it, the first song on there, which is tricky, right? Cause I don't know how you feel about the order of your five songs or whatever and how that evolves. Cause it's like, wait a minute, why is that one up there? I don't want them to listen to that one as much as they are. Totally. But, but the first one up there is, um, uh, what is it? But it's a it's a real slow soul one, oh, and steady. yeah, yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard that one before, and whoo, golly, that's a good soul song. I mean, nice. uh, anyway, to, to to make you not to embarrass you too much, but where did it all start for you? How did it all get going? Um, so I I remember the first time I saw a guitar was when I was five or six, and my mom and sister and I went to, I, I really think it was a thrift store or like a really shitty Walmart. I wish I could remember where it was, but it was, it was, I even forgot where it was, but I remember seeing um, this guitar and it was like a child size, like acoustic. I still have it actually. It's in my closet. Wow. Somewhere. But um, amazing. I was like, I saw it and it, I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. So my mom got it for me because I wouldn't shut up, shut up about it. And I mean, ever since then, I just kind of never stopped. Um, 
my next guitar was like a one of those like strat um knockoffs it's called the slammer mm -hmm. hammer um really black <laughs> and so that was my next one and then um it kind of spiraled out of control from there and christmas presents were always like guitar like wow a, so you started that young you you got the bug that young huh yeah i i just I that's mean, amazing it's just always been the thing because it's there's just something so soothing about it and um it feels correct to play guitar to me. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it just like fits right here. And I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and, but, but I was like a really shy kid too. So I wouldn't, I, I wasn't in bands or anything in like high school. Like I wasn't that cool yet or whatever. <laughs> I mean, who knows if I'm that cool now, but um, growing up is oh, like- you're cool. Hey, thanks. I wasn't fishing, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> no, you weren't. No, um, but yeah, uh, I would just kind of sit in my room and play, and um, I didn't really start writing songs until like 10th grade when I started having like feelings, you know, romantic feelings for people, and, and then that's really when things kind of unraveled. Um, so, I just kind of always did it by myself. And um, and then in college, I went, I went to St. Ed's uh, on South mm -hmm. Congress. <clears throat> it was the best time, loved it. Made a ton of friends there and really felt like it was where I was supposed to be. Um, and I had, a, I had a little acoustic duo band in college and that kind of went, you know, it was like, the coolest gig we could find is the coffee shop on campus and it was mm -hmm. such a thrill to me and so it just kind of built off of that and i was in a relationship with someone who uh was friends with a booker at the mohawk back in 2012 and so that was where my very first like gig was um and so Ever since then, I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. This is, this is some cool ass shit. Like, I've, it feels so good to play live music. And um, of course, like, you know, 80% of my first sets were cover songs, but then, you know, snowball year after year and it's like, they all mm -hmm. were original. And, um, so yeah, now I'm here. I mean, been doing it for about nine years um it's been it's been an up and down roller coaster but i don't think that i would want to have it in any other way because it's like it's really unpredictable in an exciting way sometimes it's heart-wrenching but you know totally well i didn't know you you started so young i don't know why i would know that but that yeah that's i mean that's going almost to the to the cradle that that's that's amazing and i didn't know your your austin roots were so strong either so who were you correct me if i'm wrong but um i do want to hear about you like who your favorite people to listen to through all those years you just went by were but also when you, you were talking about starting your own thing and getting it going you didn't you didn't start as like the the guitar slinger type right you started as more of a acoustic songwriter kind of thing is that right it's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
So tell yeah. us first, like who, who your favorite acts were growing up. And I'm sure it's a lot of the same people everyone loves and gets, you know, people titillated in their, in their teen years, but tell us who they were, but then also maybe some of those kind of peripheral people that you really liked. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I really liked listening to my dad's music, which was oh, classic nice. rock, like, you know, the who, um, he put on Neil Young a lot. Um, the Eagles, you know, classic dad stuff that I have always loved and always will. And then my mom would always put on Motown stuff. Um, so there was classic rock and Motown simultaneously kind of infiltrating me every day. And then my sister who's three years older than me would put on like dashboard confessional. And so, um, and like pop, you know, so there was that element of like really intense lyrics from my sister um, and pop arrangement from her Motown stuff from my mom that was like, this is like authenticity in a record. And then my dad like listening to these fucking riffs, you know? So mm -hmm. I think all of that combined is why I play what I play and why I like what I like is just because of my family, you know? Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I just love, I just love anything that makes you feel something, no matter if it's anger or sadness or, you know, excitement, whatever it is. I just think any, any kind of music that makes you like really feel something or makes you recognize something in yourself that you didn't before. That's, that's important to me. Yeah. And so moving, moving to where we were, what else I was asking you. Um, so you started with like an acoustic thing and then that changed at some point, when did you, and how did you decide to kind of make that, that leap? I'm sure you play, pick up the acoustic guitar all the time as well, but from, from your stage, you know, persona, perf you know, performance style, how and when did that change? That changed, actually, um, a lot of it had to do with live performing um, because so I, I did used to go and I used to play acoustic shows all the time, just solo and it was acoustic and just my voice and the kind of venues I was playing, if it wasn't Cactus Cafe, people would just talk over me. And so mm -hmm. I think that ignited some kind of rage in me that I was like, mm -hmm. I'm trying to fucking sing to you people and you're not listening. So I was yeah. like, okay, if I can go electric, turn up my amp, I can just escape from whatever may happen in the audience and just play. <clears throat> so for me, going electric was more of a way for me to get out of myself and out of my own head. Mm -hmm. um, Cause really like the purpose of playing for me is just to escape from whatever is going on around me. Um, and so, you know, the louder the music is, the easier I can do that. Um, so, and you know, that's, I still kind of get a little scared to play slower, softer songs in my sets, um, but they're there. 
but that's that's a big reason why I went electric. And then there, there was a point to um, like six years ago, I was out in LA and there was this producer named Rob Cavallo and he did like all the Green Day stuff in the 90s and like Alanis and everything. And I had, I had my band out there with me and he was kind of seeing if he like wanted to, I guess, sign me on his label. So mm -hmm. he was like, he, he kind of devastated me. He was like, you know, if you were just, if you just studied up on your um, like music theory and got your guitar chops up, like that would be really great. You could really shine. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you've exposed me. I don't know anything about music theory. So then I went home he didn't sign me by the way, but um, I went home and then just night after night up till two, 3 a.m. Uh, studying theory and studying riffs and B.B. King, Stevie Ray Vaughan, all these classic blues players. And I was like, what is it about them that I love? And it's that they all sound unique and they all have a sound and I was like, if I can find one of those things for me, then I think I could stand out among, you know, every, every person who's out there, hopefully. And so that was like what I was trying to do is gain a bunch of knowledge and figure out my own sound, you know? Uh, so, so yeah. did you go from... I mean, how good of a, let's just say for lack of a better term, how good of a soloist were you? And within that term, I mean, you know, riff master, solo, uh, you know, someone who can really blaze. Did you go from not being able to do that at all to being able to do it like you do now? Or were you already pretty functional at that point? Because I mean, like, like going back to the question that I asked, I mean, making that jump, that's not a jump many people make, if any people, to be honest. Uh, it's uh, so did you already have some action in those fingers where you could like, oh, I can, you know, you had to practice your ass off, I'm sure. But or did that go from like zero to to 60? Um, yeah, I did. Ha I was, you know, I was good. I think I was good. I was a good guitar player, um, but I hadn't yet allowed myself to be a lead guitarist um because before like before i went so i did the acoustic solo thing starting out switched to electric but in in between then and now i had a band um and i wasn't confident enough in myself to sit down and say okay i could I don't need another guitar player in my band. I don't need a keyboard player in my band. I want to just focus on honing my craft and being the top of the triangle in my band, you know, me, bass, mm -hmm. and drums. And so, yeah. uh, I think it just came with, I think, I, I don't know. I think it, it, there was something that told me, okay, I need to, I need to rein in what I know I can do and I need to just let myself do that. Um, Cause there was, you know, there were like people 
in, in my band who were very against the shredding thing. I don't, for reasons I don't know. Um, but I kind of had been told this time and time again, like, oh, you don't want to shred, you don't want to shred. And so I was like, oh, I guess I don't want to shred, you know? But then I did it Whoa. one night at Stubbs and I was like, that is so fun. I'm going to keep doing yeah. this. Um, and yeah. that kind of, that was the shift, I think. Um, there was this one gig I did at Stubbs and the keyboard player and the other guitar player, like I, I couldn't afford to pay them for that gig. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own with a bass player drummer. And so it was like really great. <laughs> it's like, mm. okay, this must be the way to do it then. Um, and, and then after that, I was like, okay, if, if I'm going to, be a lead guitar player I need to sit down and like figure this out and really one learn what I want my tone to be learn what I want to get across via guitar strings like how I should do it you know like exercises how mm -hmm. what are the exercises I need to do to get my pinky to work um so it was just like a lot of deep practice but it also came with the switch of deciding that I'm going to be the actual front woman of this music that I'm going to lead this band and that I'm going to be like in the front like I'm, if I'm going to do this I have to be really good um mm -hmm. so that's where you know that's where it came from that's so I love hearing that because um Although we, you started much earlier than me, at least in terms of facilitating um, or manifesting music, because I started pretty much when I was 15 and I started playing guitar. And um, I didn't really start singing until I was 20. And I was horrible at both when I started and I had to work really hard. But I, I you know, the first like four years, I practiced a good amount. You know, I, I got pretty okay. And, um, but then when I was 20, I was like, I, I got what I called, you know, the tunnel vision. I was like, because prior to that, I, I just didn't think it was possible to be a professional musician. I was like, I didn't grow up playing this music. I have no right to do this. I can't do it. And then, I, you know, you go through those fun college years and you're exploring. And, and then I started to learn like, wait a minute. A lot of these people I listened to picked up the guitar at 15. A lot of these people listen to the same people I listen to. And then I start hearing about people that, well, they were, you know, like you mentioned the Allman Brothers. It's like, oh, they were just playing 10 hours a day. That's how they got so good. So yeah. I was like, well, maybe I should try that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was like, I'm going to start practicing five hours a day. And so that's, that's what I was doing for, you know, a good couple of years, two, three years. And I still love to practice. Love it. I practice all the time. And, uh, but no, I did the same thing. I, I made a conscious choice. Like, I guess this can be done. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Let's yeah. do this. And, and so I was, I was practicing all the time. Who, who would you say are some of your, um, you mentioned Stevie and BB, um, and, and that definitely comes through. Who are some of your the guitar players? Like for me, I would play along with people. I'm sure you did yeah. that a lot too. Like who were you playing along with and trying to emulate or just make yourself better with? Stevie, for sure. I mean, there mm -hmm. were, it, like, I mean, I memorized couldn't stand the weather and, you know, I can't play it like him, obviously, but I mean, I, I could make it through every song, you know, and sound mm -hmm. pretty decent. 
And so there was just something about that record that I, I was like this, the way that he, he uses his right hand, just so cool. And um, so Stevie's a huge one. And then, I mean, oddly enough, like a jazz player named Barney Kessel, like there's, mm. if you watch videos of him, there's just something about the way that he plays where it's like, it's obviously like not fuzzy and like fat and like in your face, but there's just something so authentic about watching him play. It's like, he just feels everything that he's playing. And so I just kind of studied his videos and I was like watching him and trying to figure out like what he was thinking and what he was feeling. And it's, I don't know, you should, you should watch him though. Cause he's really incredible. Um, who else? Neil Young. Um, mm. Man. Who else? I'm like drawing a blank. Angus Young. Mm. I can see that one. You know? Um, I can see that one for sure. And there, you know, like Hendrix, of course, but <clears throat> there's the, I only kind of drew parts from him. Like, I think like how he plays it so different. Like he uses the guitar in such a weird way that like that's mm -hmm. really in inspiring to me. Cause it's like, he'll play notes that just don't fit. And then like do like insane sounds like, so that, I mean, that's cool to see. And then, I mean, Van Halen, like that's another thing, like he'll go in and out of a key like so much in one song, but somehow it works. So that's, I mean, that's a big one too. Yeah. Yeah, Hen Hendrix was huge, like all of us, but um, I mean, Hendrix is the reason I picked up the guitar flat out. I mean, I picked up the guitar because of him, plain and simple. And he was definitely an obsession for about seven years, but in terms of how it translated into my own playing, I never really chased, and I, I I was obsessed with Hendrix for years. But I, in terms of my playing, I never chased like his sound, and I never chased his um, like I never learned Little Wing. I mean, I did for a little bit, but even that, for me, what what I was learning from Hendrix and and loved to practice Hendrix was like early Hendrix, and even like bootleg early Hendrix because. Hendrix is not only was his, you know, his sound and his tone, what it was groundbreaking. Uh, you know, you can't throw enough, enough stuff at it, but his rhythm, he is an insane rhythm guitar player, like as good as any that's ever lived. You know what I mean? And when you yeah. hear him like at, at live at Monterey, come out to that killing floor. And I remember hearing that when I was 15, I was like, what the <laughs> so his rhythm really got me and i i would play along with a lot of his early stuff and even like pre Jimi hendrix experience like there's some bootleg there's so much bootleg stuff on hendrix so much and like deep channel studio recordings of him and so i really i was playing along with a lot of that stuff but yeah we have that in common we we really dug into the yeah. buried our teeth and got into the material um so i'm interested to know what what's your writing press uh process like do you you start with the lyrics do you start with the riff um do you mix it up do you start with the melody and and do you write every day do you go into like intense month 
two week long, month long periods where like you're writing every day and then take a break? What's that like for you? Yeah. So I'd say 90% of the time the music comes first. Um, Cause it's really tough for me to write um, like lyrics and then put music to it. Cause I'm such a like, feel like my songs are so based on phonetics of this word sounds right here you know it, this three syllable word is what what's going to make the hook stand out and like so a lot of it is me just kind of sitting here and um messing around on guitar and then just like spouting out gibberish it like melodic gibberish until it actually turns into words. And yeah. then, um, I mean, that that's kind of always been the way that I, I write, just because if I don't do it that way and I do lyrics first, Great. it's almost too I'm gonna mute my um, and it doesn't really get my emotions out the same way. Uh, let's see, or sometimes, sometimes too, I mean, like certain little phrases will pop into my head or like something someone said like I have this huge note on my phone of just random shit that that I've heard people say or that have come out of a conversation or something and then if I'm stuck writing a song I'll kind of reference it and see if there's anything that'll fit that um so it's mainly based like it's it's mainly like music first lyrics second yeah that notion i'm very much the same way i think a lot of people are i think you know the singer songwriter genre um you know they probably start with lyrics more than than uh, the rock and rollers and stuff like that um but one thing that fascinates me and i've talked to one or two people about this is <clears throat> i do the exact same thing of what what you just said is you know melodic gibberish right there's some the sound you're singing with your guitar you know it sounds right it comes out of nowhere at least that's what it is for me it comes out of nowhere and then you, it sounds right and you're like okay i got something there and then the melodic gibberish and then from there it transforms into a song with a subject most of the time with a subject and lyrics based around the subject and it all comes together and makes sense and for me what's so weird and un, unexplicable is how you get from a melodic sound that sounds right with no words and then somehow a word takes form there and then yeah. a whole story takes form it's really weird have you ever have you ever thought about that or it's maybe it's one of those things it's magic you don't want to you don't want to <laughs> dissect it too much you'll ruin the magic of it but uh, when i hear that somebody that produces their uh, uh, creates like that I'm always like, yes, that's the way it is. And then when I hear somebody else describe it, I'm like, wow, that is weird. I guess you just describe it as magic. And have you ever thought about that at all? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Like sometimes, sometimes it'll it'll start with like just gibberish, and then like a couple of days later, I'm like, oh my god, there's the song's done. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> so it's like yeah. it is. I guess it is magic. It's. I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it's fate, if the song was already written and I was just the thing that it came through. Like, I don't know. There is like an idea that I 
always wondered though, like artists who have passed, uh, like where does that talent go? Like what happens to it? Does it just kind of float around and then like, or do the songs exist already? And then they find the writer, you know? I don't know, maybe. So you're saying like the talent that a performer possesses, what happens to the talent when they pass? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Like Janice, Stevie, yeah. like where, where did well, it go? Well, do, doesn't it go into the, it goes into those who receive it, you know? as 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 the, our listeners who respond to it it goes to them to a certain point but then it probably stops its motion and then with people like us you know we'll pat ourselves on the back a little bit <laughs> or or people who create who are influenced by people it goes into that new living being which is why there's so many musicians out there uh, as opposed to back in the, you know, it's like this exponential growth because, you know, how many millions of people have been influenced by B.B. King and, and, and Steve Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix. And now there's, I mean, you look around how much talent there is. It's insane. I mean, how many amazing guitar players are in Austin and how many amazing guitar players are on YouTube? So I That's guess it good. goes into all those people. <laughs> I don't know. It's so wild to think about. It's a good point. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I like, I like your perspective on it. So, um, kind of fast forward, bring it around to what we started with. You're on a label, very exciting. Um, you just recorded a new album. Is that an LP or an EP? That's an LP. It's ten songs. Sweet. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. What do you? What do you? What like we, you and your people, your managers and your your label people? What are you guys? thinking i mean how 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 are you guys going to move forward for the next 6 12 months yeah it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how other people navigate this but um i mean i do know that i don't want to hold the record for 8 months <laughs> i think i think the only thing to do is to maybe release a few singles up until maybe April and then release the record, I think. And then, or maybe one single, and I'm not super sure what the plan is yet, but uh, I do know that it's gonna be important to figure out how to keep the fire going until October when touring is supposed to come back. Um, so it's gonna be interesting, but I think I think it'll be okay, because um, you know, there's there's other there's other things like I got um, got a a guitar coming out with the Epiphone. In oh, March. nice! That's like, cool. Yeah, um, so that's gonna be there, and uh, the record's gonna come out. Um, you know, it's gonna be tough to get it to completely match up with touring coming back just because nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, yeah. some, by some miracle, the vaccine cures all of us immediately. And in two months, we're all playing massive shows. That would be ideal. But um, I just don't think that's going to happen. And uh, I guess we'll see, you know, I think it's going to be singles and then album and then so I guess 
social content, um, which, you know, it's like, I, I miss the real thing so much because it's not the same playing live streams yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, the thing for me is like I, I've been pretty pretty okay through the whole thing. I hit some pockets of of boredom, or I just got I just got bored. Other than that, I don't have anything to complain about. I, you know, my family and I have been fortunate, to stay healthy, and and we're doing fine. And I've been able to get a lot of work done, no doubt about it. The thing that's kind of hit me recently is like through this whole thing, I've been like, you know, it's a little bit, I was able to go on a long tour right before. So I was lucky that too. Cause I just, I got a bunch of good stuff in beforehand, but so I've just been kind of had this in the back of my mind, like, yeah, it'll come back, you know, it'll be back. And now the longer this goes, I'm like, there is no telling what it's going to look like uh, and what the infrastructure is going to look like and what the industry is going to look like. I mean, it is, it's unprecedented and un I just do not know what to expect. I don't think anyone can possibly know what's going to happen over the next 12, 24, 36 months, you know? Yeah. Um, which, which kind of sucks. And this whole thing sucks. I think it, I think you found you, you haven't said this directly, but I think someone in your position probably would have found some silver lining through this process, uh, whatever that may be. And I think a lot of people have, whether it's the pause of so the you know the life or the a pivot here or there or what have you but now that this keeps going um i don't know how many pivots can you make and how many, know. you know yeah there's definitely tricky. you know ups there's for sure upsides to it i mean really good things have come out of this um but also a lot of bads come out of it uh, but that's, you know, the, all change, I think all good change is preceded by chaos. So whatever this is, to me, it's chaos. Um, so I think on the other side, it's going to come out better because, you know, if you look forward and this is over, people are going to be dying to go to shows. I know I'm dying to go to a show. Like, totally of course I'm ready to play one like more than anything, but if I could go see a live show right now and be totally cool and not even think about a virus like, or social distancing or whatever, like that, that would be amazing. Um, so I think another thing is like, I just, when touring comes back and I'm on the road, I'm not going <laughs> to take any single thing for granted. Like, you know, like before, if, if I had a sound person who was super rude to me, I'd be really annoyed by it. But now I'd be like, please be rude to me. Like, I'm fine with this. <laughs> like, I'm just glad, happy to be here. So I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Totally. I mean, um, that is one thing, like when you're in the music industry and you've, you've hinted at this in a few different ways through this conversation, but it is a grind. There's no doubt about it. It is a grind. And it has its pros and cons and it's great to play and it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's got its pains in the asses, but it is, it's a nonstop grind. You pretty much are. And it's been like that since the beginning of the music industry. Like it's a hustler's game. It's a survivor's game. You know, it's how hard can you work and how long can you do it for? Uh, and it's nonstop, but to have this time, like you said, and I, I was going to say the same thing as 
you were saying it basically is just not taking it for granted. You know what I mean? And that's one thing through this process. I was like, I'm still doing a ton of playing on my own and practicing. And it just, it, it feels so good to just play my acoustic and sing or play my electric. It's, it feels so good. And it, it, it's, yeah, you just, you don't take it for granted at all. Now I feel like this resets us for the rest of our professional lives. Absolutely. You know, it's like, it's, so that's a blessing for sure. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you, um, before we put a, put a pin in it is because you've, you've mentioned LA a couple times and I know you recorded your new album out there. Um, and you've been in Austin for so long, kind of Austin's been good to you. Austin loves you. Um, have you thought about moving other places? Have you ever thought about moving to California, Los Angeles, full disclosure, my family and I were going to move to Los Angeles in June and, uh, that got postponed and then it got pretty much nixed indefinitely <laughs> so we postponed it six months till till uh, thanksgiving we were going to move in thanksgiving and then things are just terrible out there it's, it yeah. does it you know all the things we were moving out there for which my wife and i both had some reasons to go out there um are, they don't exist there's not and quality of life is is continuing to descend there anyway Back to you. Have you thought about living anywhere else? Have you thought about going out there to live? Or are you like Austin? You're good to go here. You know, I've thought about it. I think one day, eventually, I'll probably spend more time out there. But I just, I just love Austin. Like, you know, my whole family's here. And well, with the exception of my sister, but she's in San Diego. But um yeah, I just love Austin. I think, I don't know if it's because I've been here forever or if it's because it is just that different than every city, but when when I go on the road and I experience every other city, like there are cool parts of every city, but also when I get back home, I'm just like, thank God, like this is, this is my vibe, you know? Cause it's like right in between New York and LA geographically, but also kind of in terms of vibe, like, yep. cause there's culture, but there's also, you know, fancy ass restaurants and um, a lot of hardworking people. And so I think I'll, I think I'll be here for a, a while, um, but we'll see, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, you never know where, where life's going to take you. So maybe one day. Maybe cool. And for the record, I'll go on record as saying, since your pops worked for this fine company, H-E-B, best grocery store in the country, hands down. Uh, as, some, as someone who's been on the road and all over the country and in and out of every grocery store, coast to coast, H-E-B blows them all out of the water. It's so true. Crazy. It's the best. It, it's like the perfect medium between Walmart and Whole Foods. Yes. It's just like quantity and quality, having a beautiful menage a trois with, <laughs> with just everything else. It's I, with great prices. I mean, I yeah. love H-E-B. Me too. Well, cool, Emily. I'm really excited for you. I'm glad to hear you're doing good. And thank you so much for doing this. It's great to chat with you. Um, I look forward to hearing the new stuff and I, I can't wait to see you on stage again. And thank you. Good luck.
<laughs> yeah, I'm excited for your for your shows too. I'll be front row when you start playing. And when you when you start playing those arenas every day, and you need a little three piece to uh, open up for you. Oh my god! I'm happy to do it. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I'll be happy to jump on there with you. Okay, Emily, you take care. I'll see you soon. I hope. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Thanks, Sam.